Все це можна зупинити тільки одним шляхом – визволити. І поки Росія не прийшла всюди, на українській землі, було нормальне життя. І коли Росія піде, коли ми її витиснемо, нормальне життя повернеться. І це єдиний шлях. Це шлях до нашої перемоги. Не можемо знати, скільки часу потрібно, щоб пройти цим шляхом. Але знаємо, що жодна російська маніпуляція і жоден російський злочин не здатні зіштовхнути нас з цього шляху. Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from Rapidly Rotating 78 RPM Records of the 1920s and 30s with yours truly, Glenn Robison. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. On this week's show, we'll celebrate Joe Rhine's and Cliff Friend's birthdays, we'll get Daffy take a musical trip to Frisco, play One Thing in Common, and be reminded that the war in Ukraine is not over. Yesterday, October 1st, marked the birth in 1901 in Boston, Mass., of violinist, bandleader, and vocalist Joseph Wand Rines, R-I-N-E-S, to Archie Wand and Rebecca Levine. In 1920, Rines was working as a salesman in a Lynn, Massachusetts drugstore, But a couple of years later, he was employed at radio station WGI, Medford, owned by the American Radio and Research Company. It's commonly thought that WBZ was the first radio station in Boston, but it was neither first in Boston nor Massachusetts. Both of those firsts belonged to WGI, which started out as 1XE, broadcasting experimentally in 1917. In the late 1920s, Rhines led a band on radio known as Joe Rhines and the Triodors. The shows were sponsored by the Triad Manufacturing Company of Pawtucket, Rhode Island, makers of Triad-insured radio tubes, and heard over the NBC Blue Network on Friday nights and Sunday nights over WNAC and WEAN. Rhines became known as New England's Master of Melody and famous for the Rhines Rhythm. In 1935, Rhines was the managing director of the Ocean Echo Ballroom at Salisbury Beach, and the following two years was the star of the Iodent Dress Rehearsal Program on NBC Radio, sponsored by the Iodent Chemical Company, makers of toothpaste, shampoo, lotions, and powders. In the 1940s, Rhines got into advertising himself, working for the Knickerbocker Broadcasting Company, and joining Sherman and Marquette Advertising Agency in 1948 until his retirement in the late 1960s. Joe Ryan's first wife was Gertrude Hoffman. I don't know when they were married, but Gertrude died in 1956, the same year that Fred Allen died. Fred Allen, you may recall, was married to Portland Hoffa. 
Joe Rines and Portland Hoffa had known each other for many years, and on Monday, February 16, 1959, they were married at St. Malachi's Roman Catholic Church in New York, known as the Actors' Chapel. They were married in the same church and by the same priest who married Fred and Portland. Joe Rines died December 12, 1986 in Los Angeles and is buried at Hillside Memorial Park in Culver City, California. I've only played two records by Joe Rines on the show before, Melancholy and For No Rhyme or Reason, but here are two more. Thank you. 
I played Fashionette about six weeks ago by Jan Ralphini and his orchestra, but we just heard Joe Rhine's version of that charming Jack Glogau Robert King tune from Brunswick, 4199, January 9th, 1929. We started with the flip side of that record, Sweetheart of All My Dreams, written by Art Fitch, Kay Fitch, and Bert Lowe. Back in 2011, someone, I don't remember who, requested Sweetheart of All My Dreams by Joe Rines, but I didn't have a copy at the time, so I played it by Irving Aronson. I hope that person is still listening to the show, and here's this segment. In the 1940s, Joe Rines made a number of somewhat risque records, at least for the time, that he recorded under the pseudonym John Ryan, and issued on his own John Ryan Records label, and other party record labels. Here's one of my favorites that I first heard on the Dr. Demento show in the 1970s. We were seated round the table, all the boys and me. When someone popped the question, what would you like to be? I very often thought, if I could have my choice, I'd like to handle big things, for instance, change my voice. I wish I were a fairy, a very pretty fairy. I'd swish around with all the greatest ease. I'd hide beneath the shadows, the very darkest shadows. Oh, goodness me, I'd be such a tease. If you were dark and handsome and asked me for advice, I'd wave my lovely wand at you, not once or twice, but thrice. I wish I were a fairy, a very pretty fairy. Oh, gracious me, I know I'd love to fly. I wish I were a fairy, a proud and pretty fairy. I'd spend my time just hovering round your door. I'd watch your every movement. I'd go wherever you went. Whatever you would wish for, you'd get more. I'd change you to an apple and place you on the floor. I'd chew you up in little bits, I'd eat you to the core. Woo! I wish I were a fairy, a proud and pretty fairy. There are so many things I'd love to do. Gosh, I think I'd scream. Ooh, don't do that. I've met some lovely people, some very lovely people. But up to now, I've met them in my dreams. I'd visit all the squirrels in their little huts. I'd feel so sympathetic because they too love nuts. Oh, I wish I were a fairy, a flashing, dashing fairy. I know you'd love to have me in your home. Wish I were a fairy, a meanie weeny fairy. I'd be ugly and make myself a witch. I'd come around and hunt you and tell you that I want you to dig and dig and dig a great big ditch. 
And when you've got it finished, I give you such a fright. I'd say, I'm gonna lay you there. But gosh, that couldn't be right. Ooh, I wish I were a fairy, a sweet and lovely fairy. I'd want the whole wide world to love me so, so there. Joe Rines, credited as John Ryan, and I Wish I Were a Fairy, from Top Hat 78, number 1005A, from around 1940. I'm Glenn Robison, and you and I are listening to Rapidly Rotating Records, bringing you vintage music to which you can't not tap your toes from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s. Yesterday, October 1st, marked the birth in 1893 in Woodlawn, Ohio, of composer, lyricist, and pianist John Clifford Friend, the sixth son born to Luke Foster Friend, a farmer, and Rebecca Alice McCall, known as Rosie. Cliff, as he was called, received his musical training at the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music with the goal of becoming a concert pianist, but a three-year bout with tuberculosis prevented that. On June 10, 1914, Charlotte L. Doudna became Mrs. Cliff Friend in El Paso, Texas, but it doesn't appear they had any children. Cliff got around, from Ohio to Texas to Butte, Montana, where in June of 1917, his draft registration card shows his occupation as a musician at the Butte Hotel. Early in his career, he accompanied Harry Richmond in vaudeville, and the pair made their way to Los Angeles, where they met Al Jolson and songwriter and publisher Buddy De Silva. From there, a friend moved to New York to become a Tin Pan Alley songwriter. He wrote songs for Broadway shows including The Passing Show of 1921, George White's Scandals of 1929, and Earl Carroll's Vanities of 1931. Cliff Friend died in Las Vegas, Nevada on June 27, 1974, and is buried at Oak Hill Cemetery in Glendale, Ohio. With collaborators including Irving Caesar, Nacio Herb Brown, Abner Silver, and Abel Bear, he wrote songs including Bow Wow Blues, Elsie Schulzenheim, and Moonlit Waters. But here are some daffy ditties credited to Cliff Friend all by himself. Hello, folks. Hello, folks. You want to laugh and smile? Sit right down and take it easy. And I'll entertain you a while. I'm going to sing you three or four thousand songs, and whether you like them or not, you're going to get them just the same. First is the shortest and truest song ever written. Introduction. Vamp. Ready? Verse. I got married yesterday, and that's why I say... Chorus. Don't be a fool, you fool. A little boy's plea to his mother. Who's that stranger, mother dear? Look, he knows us. Ain't he queer? Hush, my own, don't talk so wild. That's your father, dearest child. That's my father, no such thing. Father died away last spring. Father didn't die, you dub. Father joined a golfing club. Next song is entitled, A Bow-Legged Girl May Be Healthy, But She's in Bad Shape. You ask me why I sigh, dear. You ask me why I cry. You ask me why I cry inside. You even wonder why. Why should I tell you why, dear? Why I sigh and cry. Your mother is going to live with us. That's why I sigh and cry. 
Next is a Dixie song written by an Englishman who had never seen Dixie. Should be good. I'm going back, back, back to Alabama. That's where I long to be. My old Kentucky home, way down south in South Dakota by the sea. I can see the hills of dear old Massachusetts and my mammy making sweet potato jam. Though I've never been there, what do I care? I'm going back, back to dear old Alabama. What a song. Next is a song of Chicago. She came from South Bend, Indiana, to Chicago to see her Aunt Min. She was there just a week, and she met Jake the Greek, and right away she married him. He was a lovely hard-boiled potato and very nice to his gang. But you know how things are done. One night just for fun, she smiled at someone. Bang! Chicago! Next song is entitled, She Broke My Heart When She Went Away, But I'll Die If She Ever Comes Back. I have all beautiful songs. A sheik by the name of Dubot took a girl out riding one night. And when he came to that lonely spot, he stopped the car and he turned off the light. He said, my dear, the engine's okay. Of that, I'll take an oath. But the trouble is this, I want a hug or a kiss. And the girl said, oh, Mr. Dubose. Of all my wife's relations, I love myself the best. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute, said one cuckoo to another. They say you're going away today. Is that so? Well, listen, brother. Don't forget to eat when you are hungry. Don't forget to drink when you are dry. Don't forget to sleep when you are tired. And don't forget to breathe or else you'll die. What an idea. Next number is entitled, Everyone Has Someone, All I Have Is You. Look at that hat, look at those clothes, look at those dainty feet. Tripping down the street, oh boys, ain't she sweet. I wonder who that baby is. Look out, she's coming near. Yoo-hoo. Well, can you imagine that? Hello, Grandma, dear. Boys, I want you to meet my grandma. The next number's entitled, well, it isn't entitled anything. It's a little advice to the men. A few words mumbled over your head, and you're one of the married men. A few words mumbled in your sleep. Aha, you're a single man again. A little advice to the ladies. Don't you worry if your husband talks to you of all the wonderful things his first wife used to do. Don't get angry and break the dishes in the flat. Just grab him by the neck, throw him down the stairs and say, Did your first wife ever do that? A teacher in a country school asked her class one day for definitions of certain words that she should have to say. After they had answered most everything, it seems, she said, can anyone tell me what the word miracle means? Little Johnny Jones stood up and said, teacher, if you see a cow grazing in a pasture, that's not a miracle. And if you see a thistle growing in the pasture, that's not a miracle. Even if you see a little bird sing in a tree. That's not a miracle. 
But if you see that cow sitting on a thistle, singing like a bird, that's a miracle. Teacher said that's very good. You children are right, it seems. I wonder if anyone can tell me what the word hypocrite means. So little Al Stoverman got up and said, Teacher, a hypocrite is a working man going to work at four o'clock in the morning, singing all the world will be jealous of me. The last song is not written, so I'll have to write it now. I'm in love with someone. I wonder who it is. Nobody comes to see me. That's why I feel so blue. Bad rhyme. Now that my song is written, I'll lay it on the shelf. And if what I write is not all right, all right, write it yourself. If I had written a song, I would have called it. She only goes out with her mother, but her mother goes out all the time. Pretty. From March 29, 1928, both sides of Victor 21460, Daffy Diddy's Parts 1 and 2, written and performed there by Cliff Friend, born October 1st, 1893. Joshua Abraham Norton was born February 4th, 1818 in England, but arrived in San Francisco in late 1849 via South Africa, Liverpool, and Boston. He was a colorful local character, somewhere on the scale from just odd to eccentric to downright insane. In 1859, embittered by the legal and political structures of the nation, he issued a manifesto which ran in the San Francisco Evening Bulletin newspaper. Two months later, he hand-delivered a letter to the paper declaring himself Norton I, Emperor of the United States. The newspaper printed the letter in that evening's edition, which began Norton's 21-year reign, so to speak, over the United States. He walked about the city in a blue military-style uniform with gold-plated epaulets, a beaver hat decorated with peacock and ostrich feathers, and a walking stick issuing imperial decrees. Thinking that the nickname Frisco was disrespectful to his beloved city, he decreed, Whoever after due and proper warning shall be heard to utter the abominable word Frisco, which has no linguistic or other warrant, shall be deemed guilty of a high misdemeanor, and shall pay into the imperial treasury as penalty the sum of twenty-five dollars. The debate over the name Frisco continues to this day, and I hope we don't get fined for the following musical references to Frisco.
who's coming down the Lincoln Highway. Here I go, westward ho, burning up the road as I go my way. How I love your smiling faces and those great big open spaces. Frisco Bay, hey, 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 spread the news on every street and byway. Here I go banging straight right through that golden gate on my way to San Francisco Bay. Georgians, led by Frank Warrenti with Johnny Morris, providing the vocal refrain on Frisco Bay, composed by Fred Fisher with the words by Billy Rose. Takes two and four from their January 14, 1927 session were issued on Columbia 923-D. We started off with the country music duo of Darby and Tarleton with Lonesome Frisco Line from an unissued Columbia 78 made on October 31, 1929. Darby and Tarleton were Tom Darby, born August 25, 1891 in Columbus, Georgia, and John James Rimbert Tarleton, better known as Jimmy, born May 8, 1892 in Chera, South Carolina. They began performing together and made their first of 63 sides for Columbia, on April 5, 1927, before splitting up in 1933. Frisco is the common name for the St. Louis-San Francisco Railway, which operated in the Midwest and south-central U.S. from 1876 to 1980, when it was merged into the Burlington Northern. Fun fact, despite its name, the Frisco Line never went anywhere near San Francisco. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. We're here each and every Sunday evening at 6 on Island Radio, FM 88.7, KISL Avalon, and KISLAvalon.com. It's time once again for another episode of One Thing in Common. You know, that's where we play a set of rapidly rotating records which seemingly have nothing whatsoever to do with each other, yet have... One thing in common. Here's James Cole's Washboard 4.
this morning The clock was striking four Went home this morning The clock was striking four And I seen another daddy Going out my back door I'm Atlanta bound Atlanta bound I'll hunt that rounder that stole that gal of mine I'm Atlanta bound Atlanta bound I'll bring him back in a box of pine Dear
great record is that. Now, you've heard Milton Brown and his brownies on the show before, but that was Bill Brown and his brownies with Hot Lips, written in 1922 by Henry Bussey, Jack Lang, and Lou Davis. That recording is from March 17, 1927 on Brunswick 7003. Back in 2019, I played the descriptive novelty The Great Hatfield-McCoy Feud, which had Bill Brown as part of the cast. He was a talent scout and recording supervisor in the late 1920s and early 30s, primarily for Columbia in the Atlanta, Georgia area, was heard on a couple of records by the Skillet Lickers, and had speaking roles on a number of other Brunswick and Vocalion records. But that was a different Bill Brown. This Bill Brown was a trombonist and led a band around Pennsylvania and possibly the East Coast, and recorded just four sides for Brunswick in two sessions. And you may just be hearing those other three sides on next week's show. Before Hot Lips, Gene Autry was Atlanta-bound, October 29, 1931, on Perfect 12776. Gene Autry was born in Tioga, Texas on September 29, 1907, and was discovered by Will Rogers. In 1929, he was billed as Oklahoma's yodeling cowboy on Tulsa radio station KVOO, and that same year he got a recording contract with Columbia. Now, bear in mind that the same guy who just sang Atlanta Bound, about a guy intent on hunting down the rounder who stole his gal and putting him in a pine box, is the same guy who wrote Santa Claus is Coming to Town and Peter Cottontail. We started with James Cole's Washboard 4, who were running wild on Champion 40047, made in Richmond, Indiana, on October 27, 1930. James Cole played violin, Tommy Bradley guitar, Eddie Dimmitt on mandolin, and on Washboard? Nobody knows. Running Wild was written by A. Harrington Gibbs. So, what do those three records have in common? Well, they're all from the collection of Joe Bassard on his compilation CD on the old hat label, Down in the Basement. Sadly, Joe passed away last week at age 86. He was a legend in the 78 collecting community, which he joined before he was a teenager and became known as the king of record collectors. Wanting to share the music he loved, he began broadcasting at age 14, 
and had weekly radio shows on several stations, including WELF, Fisher, West Virginia, for over 40 years. In 1956, he founded the Phonotone record label, producing 78 RPM records by old-time string bands and his own Jolly Joe's Jug Band. Unfortunately, I never had the opportunity to meet Joe or visit his legendary basement, but he was the subject of a 2003 documentary titled Desperate Man Blues, and there's a 30-minute short film on YouTube titled Joe Bassard, King of Record Collectors, which I encourage you to check out. Thanks for the music, Joe. Rest in peace. Our entire February 27th show was dedicated to the citizens of Ukraine to show support for their efforts to defeat the Russian invaders. That war is still going on with daily reports of atrocities and war crimes on the part of the Russians, and the Ukrainians are in need of help and support now more than ever to put an end to this madness. The clip you heard at the beginning of the show was from a recent speech by Ukrainian President Zelensky, in which he said, Before Russia came, there was normal life everywhere in the Ukrainian land. And when Russia leaves, when we oust it, normal life will return. This is the only way. This is the way to our victory. We cannot know how long it will take to complete this path, but we know that no Russian manipulation and no Russian crime can push us off this path. So here's another meager effort to show support and help the Ukrainians along their path. Back in the mid-1920s in New York, Ukrainian immigrants Paul Humenyuk, a violinist and maker of stringed instruments, and Myron Sermak, who ran a bookstore serving local Ukrainians, convinced OK to record Humenyuk's orchestra to provide Ukrainian immigrants in New York a musical connection to the old world. The records were successful, and over the next eight years, hundreds of sides were recorded by Columbia, OK, and Sermak's own Serma record label of Ukrainian string bands, orchestras, vocalists, and comedian actors. These records are admittedly not everyone's cup of tea, but I've selected three I think you'll enjoy, and I'll play them individually. The first is by the Trembita Orchestra. Oh, you do, read my 
the Trambita Orchestra, led by fiddler Vasil Gula, with a tune called Ukrainska Dumka, number one. Dumka is a genre of instrumental folk music from Ukraine that alternates in character between sadness and gaiety, which you certainly heard in that recording from February 5, 1930. You'll recall from the February 27th show that the trambita is a traditional alpine horn made from hollowed halves of spruce or fir bound with birch bark. But no, there wasn't a trambita in that recording by the Trambita Orchestra. This next record is by the Ukrainska Orchestra, directed by Petra Rosadi. She was also a vocalist, although she doesn't sing on this record. Ukrainska Orchestra, directed by Petra Rosadi, with Zedivokaka and the Seli, which translates as Jewish Girl in the Village. 
That was recorded by Columbia in New York in June of 1928. The last record I have is by fiddler Michala Tomasa. I have no biographical information, but he recorded 13 sides between 1929 and 1933 of polkas, mazurkas, and other Ukrainian dance tunes, including this one. sure if that's Michaela Tomasa singing on that record, or Yevgen Zukovsky, or someone else, but the title is Lichadolia Zvnira, which translates as Soldier's Best Fate. I have no idea of the lyrics either, 
but hope that the Ukrainian soldiers in this fight for their homeland quickly experience their best possible fate. Slava Ukraini! I'm Glenn Robison, and I'm very pleased that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week, and as always, I thank you for your very kind attention. <laughs> <laughs>